Welcome to the Voice of Business, the official podcast from the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, presented by Altris. I'm your host, Katie Ka'ahanui, and welcome back for another episode in our Mental Health Awareness mini series podcast. I'm thrilled to have Tia Roberts Hartsock join me today. Tia is the director of the state's Office of Wellness and Resilience. It's the first of its kind, not only in the state, but nationally with the broad goal of addressing the root cause of society's biggest problems and hopefully reducing crime, substance abuse, suicide, and homelessness, to name a few. Tia has more than 20 years of mental health and criminal justice experience and continues to address how trauma-informed approaches can have long-term positive effects in our community. Tia, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, and you know, learning more about your background really excites me because I also did my master's in criminal justice from Chaminade Chu. And after I completed that, it was just a clear yes for me to supplement it with a mental health degree. And so I just started that this week. But I think you realize that it's the underlying issue between, you know, that affects so many community issues that we see. And that's where we can get to the root of the problem by addressing that. And I think your experience, too, um, with that type of schooling helped to drive the work that you do. And so I'm really excited to dive into that. And so when it comes to the Office of Wellness and Resilience, we know that this is new. It's with um, Governor Green's administration. But what is your long-term vision um, for this office? And what are some things that you hope that you can see or create with it? Yeah, that's a, it's, a great, it's a great question. And it's something that we've been thinking about um, for a while, uh, in the in the conceptualization of this office, there were uh, a lot of different ideas that came around um, addressing trauma informed care. Um, looking at how the trauma informed care task force that's been developed, um, could the the work could be sustained. Um, finding a way for the state to actually uptake the information and recommendations from the task force has been some of the drivers behind the conceptualization um, and the creation of this office. Um, but but as we've been kind of going through this iterative process of determining how it, um, you know, how, how recommendations get operationalized, um, what the needs of the communities are, um, how the pandemic has impacted and exacerbated those needs over the last few years. Uh, I think looking at, at utilizing this office to address um, kind of three big areas. Um, uh, program and policy development is one of them that we're kind of able to fit a lot of the pieces um, from the legislation and the charge and just from what we've found uh, that have uh, that the needs have been showing is looking at how do we help with policy? How do we help with the development of different programs to create a trauma-informed care approach and response um, looking at strengthening our state's um, systems, uh, uh, you know, how to look at the reform efforts that are that are currently occurring around trauma-informed care, uh, and then kind of being this a bit of a, a repository for training and technical assistance. So looking at utilizing um, expertise in our state, um, expertise in our communities uh, on on responding and approaching to people that have experienced trauma. And and really when you think about it um, and when you define trauma, we're talking about, you know, everybody at this point. Before, I think the conversations in the early days of trauma-informed care, you know, back in the early 2000s were, um, you know, it's those people over there that are those, those families over there that need this approach. 
Um, but the more I learn about where trauma stems from, the more I talk to people around their experiences in life and, and, um, and traumatic events, uh, the more I realize, you know, it's everyone. We're all, if we've lived this long, right? This is what I, I like to say in trainings. If we've lived this long, we've all, we all know what it feels like to lose somebody. Um, and that can cause grief um, for, for many people, but it can also be a traumatic experience for some people. Um, if we've lived this long, we've witnessed things that can, can cause rep repeating thoughts in our, in our heads, um, keep us up at night. You know, we see things that are, um, that other people's experience and that vicarious trauma can impact us. Um, and so when you really start to understand how trauma, um, how event, traumatic events, uh, can, disrupt the way in which we think can change the way in which we um, behave and can inform the way in which we respond to people it's everybody you know and so to me it's it's having an uh a way to um normalize the experience a way and an avenue to talk about experiences and a way to help people better understand um that they're not alone when you experience trauma, that this is an event that, um, and experiences that happen to many people and, um, coming at these topics with compassion and empathy is, is, um, from all aspects, from a workplace, um, from a community perspective, um, from the state perspective is, is critical. Absolutely. And one thing that I loved studying was adverse childhood experiences. Oh, yeah. And you read all about it and you check off the boxes and you're like, okay, that's, that's me. You know, and maybe you don't realize that things that have occurred in your childhood are carried with you through your adulthood and it shapes how you react, the things that you do, how you think. And you, you don't make that connection many times until decades later, you know, when it's a little, you know, I just picture it like a ball of string that just keeps growing and growing and growing. So I think to do the work to unravel that and return back to the original trauma is what we have to do. And I think that's what you're doing to get back to the root of it all. So thank you so much for the important work that you're doing, which is really, you know, again, the first of its kind here in the state. And I do think that it's a great thing that the state is even realizing that doing a trauma-informed approach to community healing is needed because I don't think many states are doing that. But for those who aren't really familiar with it, um, what does trauma-informed mean? And especially for our business leaders, how can we you know, better understand how that means um, in the business community. Yeah, um, thank you for that. Uh, be doing this work for a couple of years now, um, a few years now, I forget that it's not a common term and that not everybody understands. Um, so I appreciate the the clarification and, and the opportunity to share about, um, you know, my thoughts around it. and And to be clear and to your point earlier this is um trauma-informed care in its concept um it really talks about um, recognizing the prevalence of trauma so first of all having um, a workplace um either through policy or procedure recognize and acknowledge that trauma is uh, impacts and is prevalent in our lives on a day-to-day -day basis um, traumatic stress can impact the way in which we work and how we show up and how we supervise and how we get mm -hmm. supervised. Um, 
And it really um, starts with really understanding that um, that it it has a place in our lives for for better or for worse. It it's got a place in our lives on a day to day basis, and it recognizes the way in which um, we we approach and respond. Um, being trauma informed uh, helps us see the behaviors um, in in people on a day to day basis, um, and they can be a result of traumatic experiences. They can have um, in good ways and bad ways. It can inform the way that we show up in good ways and bad ways. And so, trauma informed care as a framework really talks about um, understanding that trauma is prevalent, um, understanding that it the experiences have an impact in the way in which we process information the way in which we approach situations and the way in which we respond to situations um, and trauma informed care can provide this framework of understanding so that people can come with a lens of, um, of assuming that everyone who walks in our door has experienced trauma um, and that there are, there are skills that we can use and that we can build to minimize the, the, re-traumatization of people and minimize triggering people in environments. And with that, just with those simple pieces in place, um, just the knowledge, um, looking at policies and procedures um, and looking at environment can really help to create an environment that doesn't re-traumatize and that doesn't trigger. And when you have an environment that that is, is aware and acknowledges and actively um, works to minimize those things, you see amazing things happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you bring up something really important where sometimes we, we don't recognize that we might be going through trauma or that somebody else might be going through it, or it otherwise might seem just very individual, but we can also look at trauma a little bit deeper to where there's individual trauma and then there's community trauma, there's historical trauma. And I think in those levels, you can begin to realize that more people than you think are affected by it. Maybe you are, you know, and that might make you a little more open to learning about it or talking about it or realizing that this is something we have to look at and change the way that we, you know, do our business or treat our people, you know, so we can create real change in the community. So thank you. And when it comes to employers who, again, are new to this, how can they bring a trauma-informed approach to their organization or their company culture? Uh, yeah, so I think... I think in many ways, like, like I mentioned, environment is one way, right? What, what things look like, who is it, who is greeting you at the front? Um, how the phones are being answered, how emails are answered, even in small little changes. Um, that can be something that can shift the way in which somebody engages with the outside. Um, even in the way in which we supervise employees, um, what types of questions we ask in supervision and what types of ways we offer um, an opportunity to debrief certain situations. Specifically, I would say with um, the helping professions, specifically people that are in first responder positions, um, that are in social service positions, teachers, um, nurses, you know, those types of, those types of um, professions, you're coming to this profession as, um, to, to help others. And what I like, you know, I like to call is the helping profession. Typically you see people come to those, typically, not always, but typically you see people coming to those professions who are 
oftentimes either coming because they've experienced things in their lives and they want to give back to that same type of uh, a um, customer base, um, or they just want to help people in general. And typically what comes is somebody that's a little more empathetic um, because they want to help, right? So empathy is something that is extremely effective in those types of roles. When we're more empathetic, we um, are more open to the aspects and the concepts of vicarious trauma. Um, we're open to feeling other people's pain and taking that on um, and having it impact the way in which we go about our day. Um, it can help. Um, uh, it can actually um, inhibit the way in which we sleep, right? When we're listening to people's stories over and over in supervision or in file reviews or what we see as first responders, those stories and those images live somewhere in our bodies. Um, and so in service industries and, and the helping profession, I think it can be really important to acknowledge that this stuff lives in us. It lives in our bodies and how we deal with it on a day-to-day -day basis um, can be critical in, in mitigating burnout, you know, um, mitigating compassion fatigue, the things that we see when people are constantly hearing stories that um, are and seeing people on the worst day of their lives. And some of these, some of us see things and experience and interaction with people that are having the worst day of their lives and understanding that it's not just another person that we see on, uh, at, you know, at the grocery store, um, having a, uh, here and there crisis, right? But these are people that are, um, most likely having the worst day of their lives when, when child welfare has to be called, um, when the police have to show up to a house, um, when a fire happens and somebody loses everything, it's not a good day. <laughs> and you're not going to have an interaction that you, you, that, that person's going to be their best self, right? So coming at them with the empathy and the care and compassion um, knowing that this is a really horrible situation and how can we approach, even with our tone of voice, um, even with the way in which our body is standing, um, even if what we're wearing can can be um, either can escalate a situation or it can de-escalate a situation. Um, in the criminal justice system, we see this all the time, right? In, in institutional settings, um, what that environment looks like, who's coming and who's providing an interaction, um, the way that they do it, the tone of voice that they use, even their physical um, nonverbals uh, can trigger people. And so knowing that those triggers might not be personal, but those triggers are happening for individuals in situations for a reason. Um, and having a little bit more empathy to understand that the reason might not be you. The reason might be something that happened 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, empathy is the key here because we have the people who are obviously going through something traumatic, but there's also, I think, that that mind frame that we can have to assume that everybody's going through trauma, even if they look completely normal. And we can just have that, you know, frame of mind that we can be empathetic and kind. We don't know what people are going through or what they've experienced or the weight of, you know, trauma that they might be holding. And so I think it's just really to to change how we approach um, approaching people, you know, I think that would make a big difference.
I'm so happy that our backgrounds are so similar. <laughs> um, <laughs> for for me personally, something that really clicked was when I would volunteer in our prison systems mm. and to talk with people, to hear their stories and to see that, you know, trauma and mental illness is prevalent there. It's, it's you know, mental illness, it's rampant. Um, but for you, I was really curious to know if you've had any um, experiences or if any stories stood out that really made you feel like this is the work that you're meant to be doing. Uh, I mean, there's so, so many experiences that immediately come to mind. Um, you know, I started doing some of this work. Um, I had an amazing opportunity to help, uh, in a charter school, um, back in start, we started in 2001. Um, and I had amazing mentors in that, in that experience. Uh, and the, the overall concept that we we talked to the students about i was a counselor at the school um it was a hawaiian charter based um it's a hawaiian charter based uh hawaiian based charter school um and the overall kind of philosophical framework was um makahana kaike like the knowing is in the doing so we do this work and that's how we learn um and you know i think a lot of it comes to um if you don't understand um, trauma as a primary um, uh, as a primary um, recipient of of a traumatic experience, it doesn't mean you can't do this work. Um, however, I think, like we mentioned before, a lot of us know what it's like to be in traumatic experiences and have um, lasting, long lasting impacts of of stuff from our childhood or our young adult um, experience. And I think the stories that I've heard over the years of both students, the files that I've read um, from reviews in the criminal justice system, I'm working with girls uh, that have experienced trauma, um, they, it kind of all goes back to this disproportionate, rep- for me, this disproportionate representation of um, Indigenous people in our systems, um, Native Hawaiians. Um, and, and that is something that is, um, there, this, this, this long lasting historical trauma and the impact, um, on indigenous, on indigenous people, not just here in Hawaii, but we're, this is where we are, right? This is, this is the, um, the long lasting work that needs to be done. I mean, this is, to me, this is what my daughter's Hawaiian. We live on homestead. Wamanalo, she's being raised, she's got the opportunity to go to Kamehameha schools um, and interrupt some of those um, determinants, right, of health. And, but there's also so much wisdom and inherent um, knowledge um, and native intelligence that is, is, she's going to get from growing up in a community like Wamanalo. It's just, um, so building upon that. First of all, acknowledging it, right? There's so much, there's so much wisdom that we have in cultural practice. Um, there's so much wisdom that this place, um, teaches every day just in the area that we live. Um, and building that up and creating and looking at it from a strengths based perspective. Um, that's why it's not called the office of trauma. <laughs> so it's called the office of wellness and resilience, you know, and language is a big thing. And so how do we 
um, look at something from a strengths-based perspective. Um, so I think it's, I don't know if I'm answering your question well, but I think it's so many little pieces of stories that I've heard over the years and experiences that I've had that um, give me the passion and um, energy to do this work continually. Cause I, I'd like to think of it as um, I'm doing this for my daughter's children's 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 children. You know, and if we're so lucky to have that opportunity, um, and that that you know, um, seven generations out concept is what are we doing today to make this community and these communities a, a more resilient, more um, um, I, I guess you could say, um whole way of living, you know, um, this holistic approach to recognizing the strengths of this place. And we're so lucky to be able to be here um, and to be able to learn from the lessons of the past and not ignore that and make that as part of our everyday um, way to build resilience in our communities and to, to lift people and voices and practices up. Um, not focus so much on the trauma all the time, but focus on what we've learned and how it informs the way in which we show up in good ways. You know, there's good ways and bad ways. And so we can focus on the bad ways all day long. Um, but to focus on the ways that, um, that this, um, inherent wisdom can, um, make, make places a better, make, make our ways of being a better, better for our children would be, um, that's the goal. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important because it's easy and, you know, trauma-informed approaches to everything is becoming a little more on people's radar right now. But I think it's so important for us to realize that, yes, there's individual trauma, there's community trauma, you know, historical trauma, but there's also historical resilience and community Absolutely. resilience and individual resilience. And how can we shift how we show up and make people realize that as well? You know, we can name what happened, we recognize it, and we see it. But we have the power to change the story now. And I think it's so important of an issue that your office was created, you know. And so I'm so excited to see the work that you do in the future and where your work goes. And so I can't thank you enough for being a part of it. I mean, it's been a, a thank you for that. It's been, this has been, um, I can't take the credit for this. This has been a huge, huge community effort. This is something that has been in the works for years. And there are advocates and um, uh, colleagues of mine that have been doing this in the most amazing ways for years. And I, I'm just lucky to be a small part of it. Um, but this is a huge community effort, um, especially getting this office established. Um, the task force work has been just a big effort uh, that the collaboration between private and public and community is the only reason why we exist. Um, the The passion of the community that advocates in the community like like um, Nancy that you had um, before uh, this is where the work has has really been lifted up um, I think it's something that um, is is it hasn't necessarily um, this type of need hasn't necessarily just been uh, highlighted because of the pandemic mm -hmm. um, it just um, it's just been exacerbated I think you know um, so it is an opportunity for us to look on it in both ways. Um, we learn from the, the community's response 
to the pandemic. Um, we build upon this, what, the lessons that we've learned during the pandemic. Um, we acknowledge the wisdom that has been here long before us, and we look forward to the future and how the, um, the knowledge can continue to grow and be, you know, plant seeds along the way um, to shape it the way in which I think people want to define what resilience looks like and want to define on what healthy communities means, um, what's present in communities when they are healthy, um, that's not up to us to define. That's up to the communities to define. So one of the most exciting things I think that with this office is um, the opportunity to really pull uh, and, and ask the questions, have the conversations, and uplift those thoughts um, of, of a lot several different types of um, communities, not just place-based communities, but um, value-based communities and see how, uh, and see what resilience means to them, see what wellness means, see what that means to have a healthy community, um, and then lift that up to see how we can operationalize it in, you know, throughout the state. I think that's a beautiful way to wrap this discussion up, just that we are changing the way that people think, how they behave and collectively, we can change the health and the vitality of the whole community. So, Tia, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this is the beginning of many conversations on how we can create change in our community. But thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to The Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, presented by Altris. Join us next week as we continue our conversations on mental health awareness as they pertain to the workplace. Mm-hmm.